In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. In the Gospel passage that we have just heard, as I was preparing for the homily, I learned something myself, a context for this parable that I was unaware of. I happened to come across a quote from St. John Chrysostom, and in that quote, he references the book of Isaiah. And it put new eyes onto this familiar parable because I had looked through, of course, I've read the book of Isaiah, but not noticed that the parable that Christ is giving is basically just a form, changing the form of one of the prophecies of Isaiah. Christ is retelling one of these prophecies in this new context as one of his parables. This parable of the vineyard and its tenants, Christ is saying is fulfilled and was about to be completely fulfilled by him. Because Christ is telling this parable in the midst of having just cleansed the temple and he gives a series of parables about what the kingdom of God is like and what is about to happen. So he retells to the people a familiar prophecy to their ears of the destruction of Israel and why that is taking place. But he also adds to this prophecy an element that is new to their ears. That the person, the God who planted the vineyard in Isaiah, is looking for the fruit. And he identifies himself even further by adding the element that a son comes to look for that fruit. Acting within that prophetic framework, he is identifying himself as the Son of God. Very, very actually explicitly to any Hebrew ears that were familiar with the Isaiah prophecies. And then he goes even further in this dialogue with the Pharisees and the chief priests by quoting what they would all know as a psalm to the glory of God, a psalm of praise about the providence of God. And then again, Jesus places himself as the key, that very stone, the cornerstone that any building would need to begin to be built upon is himself. Right there at the center of that providence of God that they all immediately understand that Christ is talking about as he tells this parable. That he is both the Son of God and the stone which the whole plan of salvation will be built upon. So let's hear this with these new ears from the book of Isaiah. Try to enter into that a little bit. What is this parable? The householder, firstly, we begin, does all of the necessary work of preparation. He does everything. He doesn't hire out for other people to build, other people to plant, other people to put the hedge around, other people to put the watchtower on. No, the person who owns this vineyard, the householder, he does all of that work himself. And only after it is all built and all planted does he then go find tenants to tend the vineyard and then he leaves. St. John Chrysostom focuses so closely on this point. So let's quote what he says here. 
the things that pertain to the husbandmen, he did himself. He left little for them to do, to take care of what was there and to preserve what was given them. For nothing was left undone, but all was accomplished. And he sent his servants later, that is, the prophets, to receive the fruit of that preparation. That is, their obedience, the proof of their obedience by their works. And where do they take counsel? They don't take counsel. Rather, they kill those prophets. For out of the vineyard we see is the Son of God killed. Do you see how he prophesies even in this place where he was to be slain? And they cast him out and slew him. So our Lord is very explicitly identifying the events that are about to happen to himself and also that this is to happen to fulfill the prophecy. But what I want to focus on for our ears this day is that the tenants, those people who were hired out to tend the vineyard, what was their task? They had one task, St. John Chrysostom is pointing out to us, and that was to keep the vines alive and perhaps to be up in the watchtower to see if there were any attackers to the vineyard. That was their only task, to preserve and to guard and to perhaps water the vines. And instead of receiving the messengers and showing them the fruits of their labors, the tenants beat, kill, and stone the messengers of that householder. What Christ is revealing is the evil heart that loves violence and desires to possess something that is not theirs to possess in that way. And they take that final step, thinking that they can stop this entire giving of the fruits to the householder and sharing in that. For we know from many of the other parables of our Lord that this is our Lord's desire. Not that he possesses it only of himself, but that we see that it is his and he shares it all with us. And they take that final step and they kill the son. But still, we see that nothing is gained for these tenants. When we hear the parable told in this way, from the scroll of Isaiah that they were familiar with, the same scroll, the same passages that our Lord began his earthly ministry with, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and reads from it there. And through this psalm of praise, he is putting new ears and a new mind into his hearers, his, his hearers this day. So the prophecy is this reference to God removing his blessing from Israel because of their unfaithfulness. And even in that prophecy in Isaiah, though without the new ears that Christ is putting on, even in there we see in chapter 5 of Isaiah that God calls another nation to possess that land and that vineyard. And even that psalm says that it is desolated for the men of Judah because they won't receive those grapes at all. So this is why, for in Matthew, what we've heard today, those people that he's speaking with, they're able to respond to Christ's question immediately with a familiar answer. They know what's going to happen to the vineyard and the tenants who are not tending that vineyard. They say that it will be let out to others. 
they know that answer because they know what Christ is referring to. But then Christ goes further, as we've said. He adds something more glorious. And perhaps to those hearers, we know that it was more controversial to them and to their understanding. He adds in this psalm of praise that ends the scriptural passage that we have just heard. Our Lord adds a quotation from Psalm 117, verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. It both emphasizes the rejection of the one who is the foundation of the promise of God's providence to Israel, but also that our Lord's providence cannot be stopped. It cannot be thwarted and turned aside and applied by our own will in some other way. Because there's that second part. It's rejected, but it still is the head of the corner of that building. And that is Christ himself. And we Christians, we glorify this. We Orthodox Christians are reminded of it at every matin service. Because it's one of the verses that is inserted into the chanting of God is the Lord. We hear that same quotation. The stone which the builders rejected is become the headstone of the corner. At every matin service. Because we know that that new nation which God called is given by, in Christ. To all of us who were not born by the genetic, in the fleshly way of the people of Israel. But in the spiritual renewal in Christ, we are given again that vineyard. We are those new tenants that are in this parable. And in the other passages, we see this gospel continues on in this dialogue. This becomes clear to the chief priests and to the Pharisees. And in Luke's account of the same parable, that everyone understood Jesus to be speaking of himself in the way that Christians understand this. There wasn't a confusion about what Christ meant in this parable. He is the son in the parable that they are plotting to kill and indeed kill. And he is the stone that is promised in that psalm of praise, what the faith and the vineyard is built upon. So the stone and the son of the householder is Jesus Christ himself. But even with that understanding that all the hearers hear and all those hearers understand, they still go and plan likewise. The chief priests and the Pharisees still go about their plotting to stop this plan of God and gain and keep the vineyard for themselves. St. John Cassian has this beautiful connection of what it means for this parable that Christ is identifying himself as the stone and as the son of God and how the people there at that time would have heard him say so St. John Cassian let's hear what he says but now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God and he says Before Abraham came into being, I am. But to Moses, he says, I am that I am. He certainly announced the eternity of his divine nature with marvelous grandeur of language. For nothing can be spoken so worthily of God as that he should ever be. Know that even that, then it was Christ in God who led the people out of Egypt. And it was Christ in God who was tempted by the people who tempted 
And it was Christ and God who saved all the righteous men by his lavish grace. For through the oneness of the mystery of the incarnation, the terms God and Christ so pass into each other that whatever God did, meaning whatever God did for the people of Israel in the Old Testament, that may be said that Christ did. And whatever afterward Christ bore, that is his death, his resurrection, his passion for us, we say that God bore. These things then belong to men. To men, I say, not to God, but as far as human weakness can, they should humble themselves to God, be subject to God, make themselves dwellings for God, and by their faith and piety win this to have God as their guest and their indweller. This is what the tenants were called to do. And we are those new tenants. This is what we are called to do. That vineyard, that's us. That vineyard and those tenants, we are to do these things that St. John Cassian is saying we are called to do as men subject to God and to become one with him. To make ourselves dwellings for God, he says. But the result of this rejection, our Lord says and agrees with the crowd by adding this psalm of praise. By adding in that he is the stone which the builders rejected that will become the headstone of the corner. The people who will keep the vineyard and receive that true cornerstone, God has chosen. Jesus Christ, his son, chose them. And now the new people will eat of the fruit of that vineyard and receive even more than that because in Matthew, later in the verses, and in Luke, we see that Christ promises the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to those new tenants. All of this is a profound lesson for our life as Christians. All of this we're laying out of Christ's claim, but what is that really to us? What are we to do? What is it that God has always asked of his people? The, the ask is not the same, whether we're talking of the Old Testament or the New. It's all, as St. John Cassian says, Christ in God. We are given to maintain what he has given and all that he has prepared for us. That's the call of everyone who follows God, to maintain what he has given us, to maintain that vineyard. If we are faithful in the little, he says, he shall reward us with much. Not just the vineyard and its fruits and its grapes, but the kingdom of God will become ours. So what is it to us? It's to be those faithful tenants, the ones who become the faithful sons and daughters of God. It's not to make up anything or to grasp or possess the vineyard for ourselves, but to be diligent and trust in the things that the householder has given for us to tend to. Whatever those may be, our families, our church, the people around us, he has given those to us as a hedge, as a vineyard, as the things that we are to care and to preserve for. But chiefly, the vineyard is the church that he has planted. So the question becomes before us, the question that the parable we can apply to ourselves is, that how will we relate to Jesus Christ? 
what kind of tenant will I be? Will it be like our Lord says later in the verses in Matthew, that the stone will become a stumbling block of unbelief? That this man who speaks is God? The Son of God, born from the Father before all eternity? Will we persist in this rejection and feel this stone as a crushing weight? Or will we relate to him in that faith as the son of the householder who is the foundation of all faith and receive again the fruit of God's labors, the fruit of his preparation? When we preserve and tend the vineyard that he has given us, which is really his church and all the things that relate to the church, then we can eat of that fruit. Our Lord is not requiring of us Christians anything that is radically different, in this form at least, than what he wanted of all of his chosen people, those of the Old Testament. Our task is to preserve and keep what he has given us, to preserve and keep the church that he has planted, built a protecting hedge around, dug a wine press for, and set a watchtower over. By prayer with the church, by the fasts and feasts of the church, by the watering of the vines, by our attentive reading of Scripture and the remembrance of God that He has given us all of these things, and by maintaining the hedge that He has set, the boundaries of the church that He has set. This is what we are called to be faithful to. This is the vineyard that He will come and send His messengers to and ask, did you tend it? Where is the fruit? I know there will be fruit because I prepared it well. This is what the parable is for us. Will we preserve and tend to the garden God has given us? This is what our Lord brings out in the parable for us on this day. He desires all of us to be counted as the faithful ones. But if we are not, then he will let out the vineyard to others. Who else will tend this garden? His loving providence can't be thwarted by our rejection or our sins. He will continue to see his vineyard bear fruit. He wants to share it with us. Let each of us be those faithful ones whom he is calling to tend it. May we welcome the Father's Son when he comes to the vineyard of our souls and set him as the head of the corner of the building up of our soul that is there. Then, and when we accomplish this, we will taste the good grapes, as the book of Isaiah says, he calls it the good grapes, not the wild grapes, of the vineyard in everlasting joy. May we each taste of those good grapes in his everlasting kingdom. Amen.